and welcome to the 361 Degrees Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3. My name is Ben Smith, I'm from Wireless Worker. I'm Rafe Blanford from allaboutwindowsphone.com. I, I, sorry, I, don't you mean all about Symbian? That feels weird, doesn't That's it? That's very strange. I do mean all about Symbian as well, but I can't be greedy to have two sites on the intro. Alright, again, I'm Ewan McLeod from Mobile Industry Review. <laughs> Review. <laughs> Sorry. From, from where, sorry? <laughs> from the, the mobileindustryreview.com. I thank you. And I'm not even going to restart the tape. That's staying in. Thanks. Great. So, lads, uh, episodes one and two, we did our first ever live recordings. Well, the recordings are always live. We only, we only edit them for tidiness. But right. um, the first ever ones with an audience. But we're back now, our first proper chat since we've been away, season two, and some stuff has happened, hasn't it? I mean, we really have, in, in the few weeks we've been away, we've missed a bunch of stuff. You know what, I think we picked the wrong week, Rafe, uh, or the wrong weeks to be away. So what? I think uh, uh, we stopped this, in, was it June or July we stopped? And then all of a sudden we've had um, crazy, crazy news ricocheting around the mobile industry. What's What's been your highlight? I, difficult to pick out one highlight, but for the summer it's been incredibly busy. Mm. Um, we're always used to having an Apple announcement. That came a bit later. I guess we should talk about that. But there's stuff from Android, Motorola, HP, Nokia, and others as well. So I don't think I can ever remember a time when it's been busier in the summer and it's kind of more uncertain as we look forward. But do you know what? I really like seismic or seismic shifts. Depends on how you want to pronounce it. I like big movements. I like it when uh, an announcement comes out and then you can't speak to any executives in the industry because they're all in emergency board meetings panicking usually because of something apple has done or announced or something google has done but i like that uh, that movement and that energy in the marketplace so there's actually there's been a load of news and it's going to be difficult to cover it all in one so let's just uh start off by talking about the apple news because while we were away apple announced well apple launched ios 5 i think they'd already announced all the details well you know back in season one right uh sadly steve jobs passed away and the iPhone 4S was launched. And now a lot of people, I don't want to dwell on the Steve Jobs issue. It was very sad. And a lot of people have done some very, you know, some very fitting tributes to a man who sort of, you know, absolutely changed computing, mm. animation and the mobile phone industry. But a, a lot of people speculated that the rather subdued way that the iPhone 4S was launched was was been a part of because it coincided with that really sad times and and I can understand from a personal level the way that that would have affected apple staff but you know putting putting the the human side apart I actually think that apple also is in a is in one of its kind of uh, less exciting phases at the moment because I didn't yes. think that the iPhone 4S was anything particularly special. Oh, I was really, really disappointed with that announcement. I wrote a post that day saying, you know, very, very unspectacular. And then when it announced, uh, when they announced Steve Jobs had died, I was, you know, that, that's fine. I wasn't going to ret- retract the post. I still think it was a very unspectacular um, set of announcements. And I think it was really uh, disappointing the way that Apple allowed everyone to believe that an iPhone 5 as a new hardware was coming. And uh, I, I, I remember seeing, I think it was the Apple CFO who said, oh, well, you know, we can't control the press. <laughs> um, you know, and yes, there were some missed expectations. <laughs> I don't think that's good enough. I, they can always curtail or rein in uh, and set expectations. So I think that was really an- it was annoying, right? I wanted to see the next generation hardware. I wanted to see the world change again, and it didn't. So that was pro- probably an em- emotional uh, reaction on my part. How did you feel, Rafe? 
Well, I'm not sure I entirely agree. I think a lot of the expectations were finally the point at which Apple had what happens to everybody else happen. You know, the press is always so demanding. And when you don't quite strike it exactly right, this is what happens. And for me, a lot of it was actually just about the fact that it wasn't a new hardware design. It looked the same as the old one. And so that immediate visual clue wasn't there as there has been before. I actually think if you look at iOS 5 and some of the things in there, particularly at the hardware architecture, that's all set up for the next generation. Really yeah. quite exciting. A lot of the software features there. But I think the whole thing around the announcement, I think Ben's right. Clearly, you can't not be affected by that, especially when you've got a CEO who is so iconic and leads the company. Right. Um, but despite what Apple say about you know a successor plan being prepared, it does make me wonder what is Apple without Steve Jobs. And you know, although one doesn't really want to dwell on that kind of thing, it's an inevitable question. Maybe a couple of years ahead, they've got things in the roadmap and all of that. But what comes after that? Can you recreate that magic? And I have to admit to some skepticism with saying you know it's easy to keep doing it. I think Steve Jobs' passing is is terribly. It's terribly sad, and right now, and up to the end of his time with Apple, his finger marks were all over the company. It was very difficult to separate Steve Jobs, the personality, from from the company. But similarly, it's a very, very large, you know, multi, very successful, multi-billion-dollar right. enterprise. And I think that those succession plans will be in place. And I think that the skills that the team had to deliver all those products and services, that whether you like them or not, you have to admit that they are very, very popular and well-regarded. Um, that they will, that, that, you know, the succession plan will kick in, and they will be able to pick up for, pick up and move on. And I think it's unfortunate that Steve Jobs' passing happened at a period where. The, response, the public response to the product wasn't very exciting, but I think it's coincidence more than cause. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I do agree with that. I just think with, and I, I think the succession plan is all in place, but I think some of the stuff that's come out more recently, particularly with the uh, biography, does suggest to me that it's not quite as simple as Apple would have us believe. And you said that his fingerprints are over those products. And while I think they will continue to deliver... I don't think it will be quite as easy for them. And more importantly, I think actually it will be the outside perception, regardless of whether it's a good product or not, regardless of whether yeah. Steve Jobs would have done the same thing. The very fact he's not there, and it's maybe the reality distortion field and all of that, means that it will be harder for them to deliver on you know the kind of rollout of one product after another, always iterating, always improving, because that's been the perception. Um, I really hope they do because Apple have been good for the industry and every time they change things, change their product, you know, go to the next cycle, the rest of the industry has to respond and it's good for competition, which means it's good for all of us. Well, no, okay, so I, I, I'm taking most of your points there. In fact, I, I, I'm in a strange position of agreeing generally with you there, Rafe. I, I have a, a problem in that the way that they manage the media which was, so the media is always saying there's an iPhone 5 coming, there's all these covers, so, you know, iPhone 5 is is coming shortly, right? Um, that created a vacuum so that when I and everyone else on the planet that was interested um, and had the capability was watching the keynote, they're, they're showing off these amazing new software uh, services. Uh, Siri, for example, was just fantastic to see. However, it wasn't of any interest at all. I mean, I'm just thinking, uh uh-huh, Scott, get on with it. So Scott Forrest was up there on stage going, isn't this amazing? And I'm going, "Mm, yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah, but yeah, yeah, just where's the phone though? Where's the phone? So I spent the whole keynote going, where's the phone? Where's the one more? uh, Where's the phone? And I think that actually this is quite a positive sign, although it doesn't feel like it at the moment. Apple's grown up now. And 
you know, let's look at the announcement. There was no NFC. There was no game-changing payment service. There was every time recently that they've announced like a new mm. product. You know, it's been a Retina display, which has really wowed people, or it's been a you know touchscreen interface, or there's been some addition in the way in the way it's worked, yes. or or two even just physical things like the design of the device that was so thin with two sides of glass that felt really nice. And finally, Apple's reaching the point now where, as Rafe says, you know. What they've done inside the phone absolutely transforms it. All of the, um, all of the transmitters, all of the chipsets in there, uh, you know, all of the uh, various, uh, the ability to roam between different networks mm. in different mm. geographies. I mean, I, I get out of my comfort zone, but certainly inside the iPhone 4S is very different to inside an iPhone 4. And Apple's finally reached that stage now where those iterations don't happen quickly enough or conveniently enough for the annual refresh cycle. Because mm. let's face it, we all knew that this announcement was going to happen we all knew that there had to be a new device ready let's for Christmas. talk about iphone well exactly That's what's, yeah exactly so finally now you can't not you can't knock something out of the park once a year predictably because sometimes you have to concentrate on the stuff that you can't see and i agree series you know kind of interesting but it's just a bit of software and the pr- the prominence it's being given is undue but, but that's because there wasn't anything otherwise to excite consumers I think it's about the sustainability of it, and that's two ways. It's the sustainability of the company. I actually think it's better for Apple to continue this way, kind of an iterative process. But I do think that they will need to change the sustainability of their marketing message simply because you can't have this expectation year after year because it's very hard to meet. As you said, doesn't fit in with the product cycles. And Siri got, you know, overhyped, and there were other aspects to it as well. But I think it's overhyped. I I I think think it's wicked. I, I think it makes a great demo. I think in oh, wait a minute. Every day set, is... set my alarm tomorrow morning for 9 a.m. Done. Love it. Hi. Sorry, I cut Rafe off. Well, uh, or, or alternatively, uh, Siri, give me a review of a uh, rest of a, a coffee house in Soho, please. Oh, you can't because all of the location services are US only. Right, but I'll t- tell me the time in Tokyo. I don't care what the time in Tokyo is. The point is that Apple are hitting a a barrier now where the services are being held back by the fact that they have to go and do everything on an absolutely global scale. And when you see Apple launching services that have a tag that says beta, never seen Apple launch a beta product before. And also all the location, all the really cool location stuff is US only. I mean, it's none the worse. Don't for get it. me started on PhotoStream. That that that's an alpha product. Well, and, and we can we, mm. we can come back to that on another occasion. But I think that you know finally now fi- finally now we're beginning to see that it's difficult to move at that speed. And there are some things that got more attention than they deserved, which would have otherwise just been footnotes. Oh yeah, and you can talk to it now. Would have just been a passing comment uh, if there'd been better hardware or NFC or payments right, right. or cash or something like that. Yeah. And the more interesting things for the everyday experience in RS5 are things like the notification system. But I think what's very notable about that is the effect it has on the battery life, which we're just starting to see in iOS 5. Mm. People are going, it's suddenly become like Android. And it actually speaks to the industry as a whole. The experience that people expect is becoming more power demanding. It doesn't matter what platform you're on that's doing it. And I suspect that kind of question will become much more important in the next year. Okay, guys, we're going to move on. Uh, Ewan, what else was uh, noticeable while we were away? 
Well, uh, a couple of things. I, I, I'm just thinking of HP and, and the uh, the merry-go-round that was really? going on there. You, you want to talk about HP? Having discussed the lifetimes of Steve Jobs, iOS 5, the, the most valuable company in... A company that was as valuable as all of the US government, I think, at one point. I mean, all by... All they had more, more money. Had more, more Apple's money. more money yeah. than the, uh, and, the and US you think government. A, a fitting segue into HP, which really, you know, should be the... The uh, you know the sort of the overture in this particular symphony. Well, I was I was lining up to give HP a, a right royal kicking actually. Okay, carry on. Um, I, I just don't know what they were doing. I think uh, well now, it, it would have been quite interesting talking about it there and then because now now we've got twenty twenty hindsight. We can see that obviously the the rest of the shareholders were going what the hell's going on. Let's just backtrack a little bit. Right. Why are we talking about HP? This is about. More specifically, their acquisition of Palm and the WebOS. So yes, yes, because I, I I view and have hoped that HP would be a little bit of a white knight in the mobile industry, right? A big eight hundred pound gorilla ready to say, do you know what? We want to be involved in this. We see the growth. Uh, what 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 are you looking at me? No, I just had this vision of an eight hundred pound gorilla on the back of a white horse. It was just it was a, <laughs> a squash a squashed horse and an angry gorilla. Right. Well, so I, I was pleasantly surprised when we got to Mobile World Congress uh, this year and saw the uh, touchpad and the Pebble and all the other different things that they they delivered and they they were looking the Veer the Veer the Pebble but yeah the the Pebble yeah um, I. Sorry that I make a mistake. Well, the Veer, I'm, I'm sorry, but it was hard to get Shouldn't really, truly excited about that. The Veer, it was really it was small, like, really nice. I think a lot of people would have loved to have used that. It was like a real smartphone, only way less usable. Oh, dear me. <laughs> okay, so I was hopeful. I think, and I think a lot of people were hopeful that HP would deliver some really exciting stuff. And when I met Richard Kerris, the developer relations chap for Palm, or, or WebOS, um, recently... Um, he did. He, he was very confident, very um, direct, very smart, very um, self-assured in in the context of what where uh, HP was doing, where Boss was doing, and his uh, reaction to developers. I was really encouraged by what they were looking to do. But Palm and the team that then moved into HP from Palm when they mm. were acquired were never lacking in self-confidence. I mean, I, I still go back to the hoopla that you had to go through to go and see those devices when they first launched. They were absolutely brimming with confidence. The problem was that they didn't then follow it through with a proper investment in an ecosystem. I and mean, we've said we're not going to talk about Nokia and Microsoft in this podcast because they got a you know a good airing in the last two, but I would point out the billions of dollars that both of those parties are investing in launching Windows Phone. Everything from yeah. handing out devices to developers through to you know training sessions, events, outreach, marketing. I mean, we're talking about the money that you spend on launching a successful ecosystem is is measured with so many zeros on it, it would make your eyes water. And Palm just didn't do any of that. They were just so. That, that to me, it felt like they were so excited by the ideas that they'd come up with for this device and what it could be. They then didn't subsequently go on and realise they were going to have yeah. to work hard think, to think, bring it to the market. Got, you got a fair point there, right? Yeah, and actually, it was the concepts which excited us about Palm, and that's been true throughout their history. Mm. I mean, they have one of the longest histories in mobile. Particularly, I remember from MWC this year, the way they had the phones and the tablets interacting by touching them together, sort of NFC-like, but actually it was done in a slightly different way. And those ideas were still there. But as Ben said, the execution was never there. Mm. And the problem was they got bought by HP 
by a CEO who you know thought it would be cool to be in mobile, basically, and the execution was never quite there. And the WebOS division essentially became a victim of corporate politics. It wasn't given the chance it was going to. It wasn't anything they specifically did wrong. Yes, the performance wasn't there, and there were various reasons for that. But ultimately, it was cut off before it really had a chance to deliver. And the fire sale of the WebOS tablets, I think, was quite interesting just for seeing the latent demand there. And that was, in mm -hmm. one sense, to me, the most interesting thing about the, the death of WebOS. I shouldn't write it off just yet. There's a chance the patent or the IP may end up somewhere. Mrs. eBay might bring it back. But I don't understand what... I mean, setting Palm and those devices aside, I didn't understand what WebOS was for. With Windows Phone 7 and Nokia... Yeah. The, the parties have got up and said we are the third ecosystem we are a you know we are a games player we are a, for mass market we are for enterprises and they've picked all the segments that they want to address blackberry for all of their many 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 sins target you know the youth market and enterprise you number one in 35 countries exactly and failing fast but you um but the point is, when you look at all of the other brands, you know who they're for and what they mean. Right. Palm never established an identity as being particularly strong in any particular area or being for any particular user group. It, it did feel like they were still playing on their history of being mm. the first PDA maker, and then HP picking them up felt like a strategic investment. And they made the strategic investment, but then never thought about the strategy of what to actually do with that investment. Uh, you're absolutely right. I was, I, I've been waiting to see, you know, I've been waiting to see the next stage. And then, of course, it's been cut off. So I was disappointed. I, like you, I was delighted to see the latent demand. Obviously, you know, if it's £99, $99 for a really good tablet, or what the perception was, it was a really good tablet. I, I just, I wondered if that uh, um, maybe had some of the execs at HP going, do you know what, maybe we could actually still join this um this mass mobile ecosystem. But as a, as a product, the, the tablet, the, the WebOS tablet, worked better than any of the mobile devices just because the hardware was less horrible um, without that unpleasant keyboard and the, the nasty feel. When we saw the devices at Mobile World mm. Congress, that was the one I liked best and actually I think had more, more legs. But the fact that people will buy tablets at a third or a quarter of the market rate I don't think really is a measure of the success of that platform at all. It's just the fact that people like cheap stuff and actually <laughs> you know if it's got a web browser on it and you can buy it for 100 quid there is a market for 100 quid um you know nice quality web web tablets but that nobody can actually make them and make a profit with that level yeah. and ultimately i think hp probably made the right decision in junking it because i can't yeah. really see how it would have survived in the face of android and ios windows phone it, it just didn't feel like there was going to ever be enough momentum, however many printers or computers or whatever it was put into. And yeah, there, there's BlackBerry as well, because there was an argument you could do something in the enterprise market. Mm. But I think mm. between Windows Phone and BlackBerry, that enterprise market would have been very, very difficult to get into. Let's just wrap this one up. One final topic that we ought to cover before we go. Uh, Rafe, why don't you tell us? I thought we should talk about Google and Android because that's the big gorilla in the industry now. You know, there's Android is the number one platform after all. And there's been quite a few developments there. The acquisition of Motorola, the release of Ice Cream Sandwich, and frankly, just the growth of Android in general going from sort of tens of millions to now even more tens of millions of handsets. I'm a bit conflicted about Android because when it first launched and... Well, you, you oh, I remember and, the time. You and I, I think... We I went down to the T-Mobile the shop and bought the G1. Exactly, and we, we all day. saw it and we were really excited and I thought this was something fresh and exciting and I liked yeah. 
Google services. But my, my, my love affair with Android has faded slightly as it's become fragmented and unstable. Well, the... the it's unsecure. The, well, the OS... Uncool. The, yeah. the OS isn't sort of uh, unstable, but I really struggle with apps because of the way they run the ecosystem. I find a lot of apps unreliable and yeah. low quality because they're not checked in the same way that Apple does, for example, before mm. they go into their store. And, well, do you, do you think that, that the honeymoon is over and, and Android is now going to, although it's sort of absolutely dominant, it's now going to be... All gonna, it's going to be the lowest common denominator in every respect. Yeah, for, for a long time, and I think this is still true, I, I've been a little bit cynical uh, by you know making snide comments now and again about Android by saying you know people only ever buy one Android device. A consumer will only ever buy one Android device, uh, meaning that they'll have such a, a limited experience compared to the other um, stuff out there that they'll, they'll go and buy something else. Uh, I don't. It's definitely not true with the geeks. I don't think, but anecdotally, I'm seeing it appears to be true. This is only anecdotally, only in my experience, my very Western-focused uh, experience, that I haven't seen people that I know that are their normal mobile users. They've bought an Android once and then went to a BlackBerry, or I think I, I see a lot of people thinking about Windows Phone just because it, the, the, the end, the, the whole fluffiness isn't quite there with Android. I feel it's like still very rough. I think that's right. It doesn't seem to be delivering that total experience. Mm. And in terms of when we're talking about Android, we have to put it in the context. It's enjoyed tremendous success. Oh, totally. But to me, there are now lots of questions being asked about its future. I think you can take the example of fragmentation, which Ben mentioned, and he hinted at Amazon earlier. I think that's really interesting. Yes, the Android, uh, Kindle and the Fire are Android products in one sense, but completely irrelevant to the Android as Google. This is not it. what Google cares about. No, it's the same code down the bottom but in terms of the top layer no it's in which case no, it's, it's no irrelevant analysis. to google right it's not helping google out at all in, indeed and you can see the same thing happening in china with something like alibaba and the other android sort of forks if you will and so they're all being counted android devices and helping towards the success but in terms of the longer term sustainability i think that could be potentially very damaging indeed and we also see questions around the motorola acquisition how much is that going to annoy the other manufacturers people like HTC, but also Samsung. And you know, that question about Samsung, for example, you know, that's a really big, successful t tier one manufacturer, yet people are already asking, as we had in our very first episode this season, saying, when are, Android, when, when are Samsung going to drop it? I don't think it'll happen immediately or anything, but the fact that question is being asked, and quite clearly Samsung are preparing to make, you know, Bardo looks like Android and on the Samsung products anyway. And that makes me go, well... That question about Android is Google have a real problem. They need to kind of get everyone on board. And it doesn't feel like such a cohesive ecosystem and strategy as, for mm. example, Apple does with iOS for obvious reasons, one company, but also looking at the Microsoft-Nokia partnership and to an extent the other manufacturers coming into that as well. You know, it, it's just not that concrete vision for the future that, you know, for what is the leading smartphone platform now, I would expect to be seeing. For me... Although all of that technical stuff is true, and if you just look at if you just look at Android purely as Google Android for what most consumers can go into yeah. a high street shop and buy in North America, in Europe, actually mostly around the world, because they have those other variants haven't sort of made it up to the market in huge numbers yet. Um, it's more the Google philosophy that I think is beginning to show, which is huge innovation in products, the ability to take on 
things at huge scale, you know, search, storage, right. all of these services are absolutely amazing. I mean, the, you know, YouTube in terms of the, what it, the video it can deliver, it can transcode things and deliver it across all these platforms and all these things you think, wow, that's amazing. But once the idea has been had and implemented, the polish, the finish, right. in, in my business, what we would call the service delivery, the customer experience is very lacking because Google kind of tends to build beta products and then leave them in that stage, whether or not the beta label comes on or off, it's slightly yeah. academic. And so I've got, for example, the Samsung Nexus device. Yes. Um, Nexus, Nexus. Sorry, yeah. not, the, not the Nexus Prime or the next one that's coming. Um, and that, by all accounts, should be the experience for Android because right. it's the Google certified device. There's no other fluff or crap on there. And I, I actually, I don't mind the Samsung and the HTC customizations, but this is it. This should be the premium Google experience. Yeah. And yet finding apps is a pain. Reliability is a pain. Battery life is a pain. Yes. Managing multiple Google profiles because some products use Gmail profiles and some will work yeah. with my enterprise Tell account. It, yeah. Now, none of this is the worst thing in the world. I mean, let's face it, there are, there are other manufacturers out there with bigger problems. But it's that point about, I think... As, for consumers, all of those features which are really hard to deliver are just, um, you know, hygiene now. They've got yes, to have them. They are, yes, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's all, all going to be all about polish. And I don't think necessarily the, you should assume that Apple will win out here because Apple is very high-end and it only has one device. Mm. But I think that people who can come into the market, perhaps a refreshed BlackBerry, I mean, unlikely, but, you know. Very likely. Very, well, yeah, it's very possible. Or, or Windows Phone or, BBX, yeah. or or any of the other things um, could begin to steal could begin to steal mindshare and hearts and eventually customers. Yeah, because I think consumers are going to want the stuff just to work. And it's particularly important in the mid-tier where the big battle is going on because people don't want to faff about with stuff. And as you said, Android still feels like a, a platform built by engineers for engineers, and that's a reflection of the company it's come from. And I, I do think it will be a problem going forward. And Ewan mentioned earlier that you know people just buy one Android product. I think that over-exaggerated, but there's an element of truth to that. And as these expectations of what a phone should just do without thinking about increase, there is a need to have a better joined-up thinking between the software and the hardware side, and that's always going to be a problem for Google. And, and my view is that, Android has achieved the huge success that it has because, by default, because... Because it was there. Well, because of all of the modern smartphone operating systems. I mean, sorry, Rafe, discounting Symbian as the usability experience issues of, of, of Android, iOS, Blackberries, whatever whatever we're calling it this week, and Windows Phone, and, and, and Palm, and all the other players who tried to get into that sector... Android was the only one with the big enough grunt behind it, which could address all those range of different devices, price points, form factors. And so it's almost had that growth by default. And there's actually nothing really ready to challenge it, as, as good as some of the challenges are. There's nothing ready to achieve that scale. Yeah, it does feel a lot like it was right time, right place, rather than any really inherent characteristics that made it that much better than anything else. Anyways, we should wrap this up. We have probably run horribly over time. Um, Thank you very much for listening. Uh, wherever you hear this, please leave a comment below. You'll probably hear about it. 
you'll probably hear us on All About Windows Phone, Wireless Worker or Mobile Industry Review. Um, a quick trailer for a forthcoming show. We're going to be talking about mobile industry and patents and patent disputes, which have been a really hot topic. So if you've got any opinions on that, if you've been, effect- if you've been affected by any of the issues in the show, <laughs> or if you uh, feel angry or disappointed that uh, you know, innovation and mobile technology is being constrained by the huge legal wrangles which are going on, please let us know. Drop us an email through the uh, mini-site 361degre.es or leave a comment below this. And uh, we'd be really interested to hear what you think in advance of us uh, recording our show. We also say lots of love to our readers. No, listeners. And of course, thank you very much for listening and thank you very much for all your positive comments about season two. We'll be back next week. See you soon.